Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. It's week two of our new series, The Gift. The Gift. Who loves a present? Who loves a good gift? Like there is something special when you know someone has taken time out of their week, out of their, out of their activities to go and find something and they handpick a gift for you that they know is part of your interest or your hobbies or your likes. There's something really special about that. Well, there is one gift that meant so much for all of humanity, for all of uh, mankind that changed forever the course of history. And last week, Pastor Gabby started off this series and um, talked about who that gift was. It was the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of a Savior. He was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. He comes to this little insignificant town during a, a time of oppressive rule, and he comes and he brings a gift, and, and he is the salvation to the world. And Pastor Gabby also talked about how the wise men came. The wise men, the magi, they came before Jesus, they sought him out, they worshipped him, they bowed before him in awe and wonder. Well, what a great message that was last week. And I was sitting in the front and I was like, oh no, this is not good, I'm out of a job. Like, I've lost my job. She's going to be preaching and Gab's like, no, not likely. If you missed that message, please get onto our podcast, jump onto our YouTube channel, you can listen to that. Right now, why don't we bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We've already spent an amazing time in your presence. I just pray today, Lord God, as we delve into your word, that we again sent you, that we hear from you, Jesus, in your mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Come on, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Would you open up your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 10? And this is our key passage for the series. It says this, When they saw the star, they, re- they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fouled down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, Matthew 2 says that they were exceedingly, they had exceeding joy when they found the Savior. And they came down before him and they bowed, they worshipped him. And I think it's a great reminder for us as Christians, as a church community, to always remember the awe, the joy of knowing the Savior, Jesus Christ, and to be worshiping Him and praising Him in our lives. He is the Savior. It's at this point that you might expect the the wise men to head back home. They've come, they've seen the Savior, they've worshipped Him to go back home, but they don't. Instead, they do something else. They bring out presents before Jesus. And they laid him at his feet. It says that they opened their treasures and they gave him gold, frankincense, not to be confused with Frankenstein, frankincense, and they also gave him myrrh. Uh, any, any parents here today, uh, whether you've got, you know, like a young baby who's, you know, still in nappies or you've got older children who are in their 40s or 50s, any parents, raise your hands here today. Yeah, quite a few of us here this morning. That's awesome. How many of you remember the gifts that you got? When your, child, when your child was born. Did you, did you get gold or frankincense or myrrh? I remember when our children were born, we, we got things like nappies. And I remember that. Cute little outfits, the Bonds jumpsuits. How cute are they? Little booties and uh, little beanies and all these types of things. I remember we also got things like uh, pseudo cream. Come on, that's a lifesaver. Well, it's, it's more of a bum saver, but you know what I mean. It's a lifesaver, the pseudo cream, blankets, but there was no gold frankincense 
or myrrh. Or myrrh. Uh, these gifts that the, the wise men gave, they were typically uh, gifts that were given to dignitary, uh, to royalty, to kings and queens as, as gifts of honor. Uh, gold was a valuable commodity. Frankincense was a perfume. Uh, myrrh was an anointing oil. And so you'd give these gifts to people. But not only were they uh, gifts of honor, they were also very practical gifts that could be used through a person's life. But they were also deeply symbolic of a spiritual aspect. There was a spiritual aspect to these gifts. See, gold represented the kingship of Jesus. We're going to look at that in a couple of weeks. Next week, myrrh represents the suffering and the death that Jesus would endure. We're going to look at that next week. And then frankincense, which we're going to look at today. Frankincense had all types of uses in the ancient times and even today. It was a clear resin that came from some trees in northern India and Arabia. And it was used for incense incense and perfume and it was treasured for its aroma and healing properties and today husbands if for Christmas you've brought your wife uh, the perfume Chanel number five guess what that's got frankincense in it Uh, so you're very spiritual very biblical man of God buying your wife a spiritual gift today Um, frankincense was also the oil that the Israelite priests would use as incense during sacrifices to God, And so they would burn the frankincense and it would turn into a smoke and it would rise to heaven. And that smoke would symbolize the prayers, the cries of the people rising to God. And so because of this, some biblical scholars would say that frankincense represents the priestliness of Jesus. The priestliness of Jesus. We're going to say in another word today, we're going to say it represents how Jesus was our high priest And so we're going to unpack that today. We're going to delve a little bit into the Old Testament. So put your thinking cap on, put your learning cap on. We're going to do a little bit of teaching today. In the Old Testament, the priest was known, also known as the high priest. He had one primary role that he had to perform that was broken into two functions. The priest's primary role was to represent the people to God. So he was the representative to people to God. That's why in, you know... The Catholic Church, not that we subscribe to this today, but there was a priest who would be a representative. That was the priest's role. You come to the priest, he goes to God. And so his role was broken into two functions. The two functions were this. One, priests made sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. So they would take an innocent animal. That animal would be sacrificed. It would die for the forgiveness of people's sins. That was their first function. And then the second function was priests would pray on behalf of the people to God. They would lift up prayers on behalf of the people to God. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus is our high priest And he fulfills these two functions as well in his role as high priest, the sacrifices and the prayers. And so let's look into that. Uh, Let's begin with the sacrifice of our sins. Since the moment man sinned in the Garden of Eden, since the moment we ate of that apple, there have been two opposing forces in the world. There have been the forces of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Say that with me. The holiness of God... And the sinfulness of man. What is sin? What is sin? Sin is transgressing against the laws of God. That's what we believe as Christians. That's what the Bible teaches us as we read it. It's transgressing against God's laws. The problem we have is 
that we are in a culture that as it moves more and more away from God and it moves more and more towards humanistic definitions of transgression, which is right or wrong, the concept of biblical sin is not very popular. Have you noticed that? That if you talk to your friends and they're doing, you know, let's just say they're doing something wrong, and you say, you're sinning, how, how happy are they with you when you tell them that? Like, they're like, awesome, give it to me more, tell me, tell me more, tell me more of my sins. Like, the world is not, not very popular to say that. See, culture now defines sin not based on God's laws or God's word, but based on our own wants, our own feelings, our own desires, our own uh, understandings. And sin for the world depends on your own personal truth. It varies based on what you feel. It, based, it varies based on what you believe in, and it could be fluid from one day, month, or year to the next. What used to be a sin two years ago or bad two years ago might be okay to do today. Herein lies the challenge. We have to understand the reality of sin that there, because there is a, there's the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. The holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. See, if we don't understand the holiness of God, we'll always have a casual approach to sin. See, until we understand what it truly means that God is holy, we'll never fully realize the cost and tragedy of what sin does in our lives because God is holy. The word holy comes from a Greek word which is aos, uh, not to be confused with asos, the online uh, fashion place that some of us might use. Aos, and it means separate. It means other. See, God, he is separate. He's perfect in every way. He, he is a flawless. He is pure. There is no fault, no stain, no, no, no nothing inside him, no wrong inside him. He is other. He is separate. Aos. See, holiness isn't just another one of God's attributes. Oh, holiness is one of God's attributes. No, holiness is the perfection of all of his attributes. See, God is holy. See, God's power is holy. His grace is holy. His mercy is holy. See, God is holy in His glory. It's His holiness, His otherness, His separateness, His purity that makes Him worthy of our praise. If God was not a holy, pure, righteous, separate God, we would have no reason to praise Him. I mean, we might as well praise that, that celebrity. We might as well praise that sports player. We might as well, you know, praise that uh, singer. But we can't because they're not holy. Only one deserves our praise. It is, it is God. Our God is holy and our challenge is that we are not. Not one of us is holy. Not a single one of us. Mums, your little, your little child, I'm sorry to say he's not holy. She's not holy. You know, that person at work who's such a great a great person, a great example, so kind. They're not holy. None of us are holy. We have all sinned. We've all done wrong. We've all fallen short of God's uh, glory, God's standard, the, the laws of God. And we are in a place of our fallen nature. And the sin breaks our intimacy with God. The sin breaks our ability to have relationship with God. And that's why God hates sin. He hates sin because of what it does to his relationship 
between him and us. He hates sin because of what it does to the ability for us to have intimacy with him. See, everything about God is about holiness and sin disrupts that holiness. It disrupts our, our intimacy and our fellowship with God. It separates us from him. It breaks and destroys our life. It's the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. In the Old Testament, the priest once a year would bring a special offering uh, for the forgiveness of sins for the Israelite people. And he would take a, an innocent animal and sacrifice it for the sins of the nation. It was called the Day of Atonement. Yeah, I think it was pronounced Yon Kupa or something like that. The Day of Atonement. And so the priest would sacrifice an innocent animal. He would then enter the most uh, holy place uh, in the temple, which was called the Holy of Holies. And he would then light up frankincense. That's what we're talking about today. And as it burnt, the frankincense would rise as a smoke and as a, as a, a, having a smell to it, and it would rise. And again, as I said earlier, the smoke would rise to heaven. And it represented the prayers. It represented the cries of the people for mercy. The prayers and the cries for mercy from God. Then the priest would take the blood from that innocent animal, and he would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on a, on a thing that was called the mercy seat. He would sprinkle the blood on there, symbolizing the death of an innocent one in place of guilty ones as a payment for sins. Then the priest would find an innocent, they would bring a, an innocent goat towards the priest. And the priest would take that goat and it would be called the scapegoat. Have you ever heard that saying, the scapegoat? It's where you blame someone who's innocent. He would take this lamb and they would, sorry, he would take this goat and the priest would pray and he would confess the sins of the nation of Israel. And in praying that, there would be this symbolism of the sin of the nation of Israel transferring across to the scapegoat. The scapegoat would then be run out of the camp, out into the wilderness, out there to go where it, where it do whatever it does. It might end up killed by another animal or it better be driven out of the community of the Israelites. And so we have a, an animal, that, the first animal that comes and it dies. It's sacrificed, paying the price for the sins. And then we have the scapegoat. It's run out of the community. It symbolizes how the sins have been separated from the people of God. And the symbolism here, when we look at it, when you, when you hear it, if you know the Bible a little bit, it's so rich. It's so deep, and you, and you can see the symbolism as it, as it, as it um, uh, um, describes Jesus Christ. But, but it's profound, but it's also a little bit strange. Like, like it's a little bit gross, right? Like killing animals, slitting its throat, blood here, you know, pouring it on the mercy seat. All these things, it's like it's just a little bit, little bit funny. But here's what we need to understand. God is just, and he must punish sin. See, sin can't go unpunished. A just God must make sure that sin is paid for. And so he, he is merciful also. So he's just, but he's merciful. So the sin price should be that we pay it or that the nation of Israel pays it. But instead, he finds an innocent party. He finds someone else to pay the price for the forgiveness of sins. He finds an animal to pay the price for the nation of Israel. Well, I want to tell you something. That was the Old Testament, um, the Old Covenant that the Israelites were underneath. But we are in a better covenant, a newer covenant, a better, we have a new, a better sacrifice than the Old Covenant. No more yearly animal sacrifices, no more scapegoats. See, we have a new high priest and his name is Jesus and he is God. 
Hebrews 10.10, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, Jesus, come on, our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice, good for all time. See, Jesus, he's paid the price for our sins. And he's separated our sin from us and taken it onto himself. He gave his innocent life as a covering for our sins, satisfying the just nature of God and extending mercy to God's creation. I think we should give Jesus some praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Maybe today, if you're sort of still trying to grapple with what this means or, or the illustration or the symbolism, how, do, how does this all fit together? Let me give you a story, an illustration that hopefully uh, explains what Jesus did for us. About four or five weeks ago, we were um, here at church and my family and I, um, myself, Gabby, Joelle, Ethan and Roman, we, we were here at church and we get here at about... 8 o'clock uh, most Sundays, and so we're here, and uh, other people are arriving at the same time. So there's a bit of routine. We turn the alarm off, turn some lights on, you know, turn the air conditioning on, do all these different types of things that we do. And um, I came up to the front here, and I don't usually do this, but I came up to the front, and I thought, you know what, I'll help out, and I said, I'll turn on some of these lights. And so I was turning on this light here, and I bent over, and as I bent over... I heard a sound of fabric ripping. Has anyone ever heard the sound of fabric ripping? You know that's not a good thing. You know that's not a good thing. And so I'm like, oh, no, this is no good. And so I, I felt around the, behind the back. You know, usually you go for the back, the back seam, right? Anyway, that's, that's not where it ripped. It ripped along my hamstring here. It's like, man, my, my, my quads and my hammies are just too strength, too, too, too muscly, right? I'm going to start, stop all those squats and deadlifts that I've been doing. And uh, so it ripped there. It was a big rip all the way down. And so it was flapping around. You could see my legs. And I think you could probably even see my undies if anyone was around. And, and I'm like, what do I do? Like, what, what do I do? So I go to Gab and I say, Gab, I ripped my pants. What do I do? And she's like, take the jacket that you're wearing, wrap it around your waist. And so I did that. So I look like a homeboy from like the, the 90s, you know, kicking it back, old school style. And uh, she said, I'll go home and I'll get you some new pants. And so she, so she went off and so I'm up here. And then um, I was relating the story to someone afterwards. And I'm like, I was wondering why you had the jacket around your waist. It looked so weird. Like, it wasn't your usual style. And I was like, that was the reason. Anyway. About 30 minutes later, Gabby came and she gave me, she took my torn, ripped, tatted pants and she replaced them. She gave me brand new, clean, perfect pants. And church, that's a picture, that's an illustration of what Jesus did for us. He took our old, dirty, tatted, broken unrighteousness and replace them with his new, pure, clean garments of righteousness, his covering. He gave it to us. And so when God looks at us now, he doesn't see us as the sinfulness of man. He now sees us as the righteousness of Christ. He looks at us and he sees Jesus and he sees Jesus' righteousness. The keys would come. That would be great. See, Jesus is our high priest and he understands, he cares. 
See, Jesus is a high priest, the scriptures say, seated in heaven. But he understands and he cares for our life. Hebrews 4.14, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Church, we need to realize today that we have a high priest who understands our weaknesses. He faced your trials. He understands and he cares about your pain. He knows what it's like to live a human life and existence and to go through the emotional and the mental and the physical things that we go through as humans. And today I want to let you know, whatever you might be going through at this moment in time, If you listen back to the podcast in the future or watch the YouTube video, Jesus understands. Today, maybe you're feeling stressed or you're anxious right now. The Scriptures say in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweated blood. So great was the anxiety in His life about Him knowing what was to come. See, Jesus knows. He understands if you face anxiety. Today, maybe you're facing scandal in your life. Maybe something bad has gone up. Your life is blown up. There's something, you know, not so great. Jesus knows. He's born to two parents out of wedlock. He knows. Back in the day, not a great thing. People would have talked about Him. He had people that betrayed Him, people that turned their back on Him. He was ridiculed, criticized, mocked. Jesus understands. If you face loss in your life, a friend, a relationship, a parent passed away. Someone asked, Jesus understand. He had a close friend who died. His friends betrayed him. He knows about loss. If you've ever wondered where God is, where the presence of God has ever had moments like that, God, where are you? Jesus knows. On the cross, it says, he yelled out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows what it feels like to not sense the presence of God. He understands. See, Jesus understands and He cares. He knows what life is like. He experienced all the pain of being human, all the emotion of being rejected by friends, the agony that we go through of hurting, of feeling alone, of feeling abandoned. Jesus understands. He knows. He's been through it. He cares for us. As I finish this morning, Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We will receive His mercy. Anyone need mercy today? I need God's mercy every day. I need God's mercy every day. You you might not believe this, but every now and again I make a mistake. Once Once a week, once a month. I make a mistake. I need God's mercy. I need Jesus' grace. I'm not the easiest person to live with. Just ask my wife, ask my kids. I need God's grace in their lives for me. I need God's grace in my life for the people around me. We all need God's mercy, God's grace to get, to help us when we need it most. See, we can come boldly before our high priest. We can come boldly before Jesus and find grace for hope when we need it most. And all eyes closed right now. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And today, I'm going to name out a few of those things that I just spoke about. And today, if you need prayer, I want you to lift your hands up as I'm praying. I also want to open up the altar here for after the service if you need prayer as well to come up for us to pray as well. But right now, I want to open it up. I want to pray for some people today. We're going to boldly come before God. We're going to boldly come to Jesus this morning. 
before our high priest who understands, who cares, who knows what we're going through. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask Him to come into our life, to come into our situation. So come on, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we just thank You. God, I pray right now. If there's any people here.